not a terrorist. Stick up for the First Amendment. Nobody voted for you. Went to Lafayette Square. Yeah. First Amendment. Cause Trump don't care. November vote blue. Get the kids out of the cages. Get out and vote. And increase our wages. Come on now. Welcome to Hair in America. We're talking to Carol Montgomery, an amazing comedian. She has been working in this business a long time and someone I truly respect. Carol, how are you today? I'm great. You know, it's I, I don't even know what year or what month or what day it is anymore because I've been in quarantine for so long here in New York City. Yeah, <laughs> can you imagine? I just thought to myself, is are movie theaters open? I wasn't sure. No, no. I mean, not, not in New York. I don't know what it is like on the West Coast, but we just went to phase three and they decided, uh, they decided not to do indoor dining until... Mm. Who knows when? But um, so anytime it rains, uh, you know, everyone's pissed because they can't they can't stand out, sit outside and eat. Yeah. So, so that's where we are. I, I, California is, is back like back in lockdown, though, isn't it? Yeah, we've gone back into lockdown. Here's the problem. Yeah. People are complaining about wearing a mask. So they threw a big protest and this protest came out. And I think that caused a, another spike. And then I don't think the right. spike was through the Black Lives Matter protests. There actually, I was I was at a few of those, and everyone wore masks. Uh, they mm-hmm. tried to social distance as much as they could. It was a pretty a very safe place. I mean, you know, just before the Black Lives Matter movement started in Michigan, where all those guys with the ZZ Top beards and everything were stormed the, the Capitol with no masks on. But no, they didn't cause a surge in Michigan or anything. You know, it was just the protesters. Yeah. So it's what's fascinating, God. People like the, the ones in Michigan, they're like what I call a Friday night heckler, which I'm sure you've yeah, had, yeah. that yeah, late show Friday night where the guy heckles you and you slam them, and I mean you slam them good, and then as soon as they you know, they get up and they complain to the manager that the show wasn't good. It's not that racism has ended. Racism is now being filmed. There's the big difference. We have our cameras. Right. So we're seeing right. this. You know, We're seeing racism. We're seeing all this out, and I think it's a time of reckoning. But what you're doing, your comedy— uh, oh. You know, women of a certain age. Um, that is a solution, in my opinion. You know, you're getting you're 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 getting people to see who they are, especially women of a certain age, and 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 be proud of it and enjoy it. So I'm a mom. I like talking about that. Do I have moms here tonight? Where are my moms? A couple of moms. Yeah. I have a 23 uh, year old son and his older brother, my husband. <laughs> it's not a joke. The kid is more mature than my husband is. It is true. No, we were watching a couple of weeks ago on TV. They were showing the Victoria's Secret TV show, you know, where they show all the new lingerie. So the three of us are sitting there watching it. First girl comes out, this hot, sexy outfit. My son doesn't say a word. My husband's reaction, <laughs> boobies. <laughs> I married Peter Pan. <laughs> he doesn't even fly. He's a f- ghetto Peter Pan, you know? He is Peter Pan. I think a lot of guys are Peter Pan, but a lot, like some of the guys in here, you're adults. You think you should, are you an adult, sir? What do you do before you go to bed? You read, probably watch television? Or you play, you play video games like my f-ing husband. I cannot believe it. My husband plays video games on his Game Boy. And not even like the cool game. You're thinking something macho like Call of Duty. No, Pokemon. I could be standing there naked going, honey, you want a full run? It's like, hold on, I have to catch Pikachu. Hold on. It's my life. Yeah, well, you know, the reason I, I, I can't, because I, I turned 62 this year, and I 
um, when I was 50, I saw the writings on the wall for a woman in, in our business. Yeah. And I, I, I branched out. I started to do directing. I started developing solo shows, you know, because, you know, I couldn't. First of all, the thought of even going on the road now, I'm like, oh, I, I can't even fathom. Just, yeah, yeah. You know, getting on a plane. A road warrior. It's so tough. Yeah, I was I was a total road warrior. So but about three years ago, you know, I, I was I, I realized that. There are so many women of my age that have been in it that you don't know about. They're not the famous ones. They're the ones that have just been working in the trenches. Yeah. There's hundreds, hundreds of us. And that's how, why I came up with the idea because, and you know, it's, it, it's, you know, some, you know, like some people like, oh, you know, you're being exclusive. I said, no, I'm not. I said, like, I, I can't tell you how many men have said to older men, I'm going, why don't you do men of a certain age? I said, I said <laughs> men of a certain age. I said, why? Because that's the whole business. That's why. Yeah. And I want to talk about my age because, you know, we're all in show business and you're all told when you get a woman, especially is told, do not talk about your age. I'm talking about it. This is what 56 looks like right here. That's right. These are my real this is my real face. I am wearing shapewear because I have a muffin top. I don't want to kill anybody. <laughs> and you know, I was watching the, you know, like all the award seasons and everything, and I was watching Madonna, and she pisses me off because she's had so much face work. Am I right? You know that. You know she's, right? Come on. I mean, Madonna is my age, and she's Italian. She should have a full f beard by now. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be like saying, oh, man, uh, you go, okay, all the comedy club owners. Except for, you know, right. except for Mitzi Shore. Right. But it's like basically of looking at that way of going, you know, what, what you're it's I, I'm always surprised how people get threatened by that. In other words, you're being yeah. successful with you, oh, your niche group. You say these are women that relate to me. I relate to them. These are the topics that are coming up in our circles. That's exactly what comedy's been from day one. That's what you're right. doing. So I would say, you know, I, I applaud it. I love it. And even when I'm watching your show. I, I, it gets me thinking of a different perspective. You know, if you look at the world and you go, you see a bunch of lions on the Serengeti, they're all pointing in different directions because they need a perspective of the entire Serengeti. What's their danger or what they're going to be their prey? You are looking in another direction. And when I get to hear your work, I get to know another thought. I get to see a different perspective. And that's what I love about it. So, oh, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, and what's interesting is that um, both both shows we shot um, at the Bell House in Brooklyn, which is, you know, with skews younger. So if you look at the, you know, when you do, when we do the crowd shots, you can see it's not just older people. Yeah, of course. You know, the, the last special, especially my son probably brought 20 of his own friends yeah. that came to the show and they loved the show. So it's it's never about. I mean, sure, you know, I I basically pull the curtain back on on a on a, a an unused demographic because we've all known we're older. We all know that p people in our age range need comedy, and it's always been the eighteen to thirty four. The first one, the one with Fran Drescher, that was Showtime's highest rated comedy special in two thousand nineteen. Yeah. So that says something. Oh, it says something because guess what? There are a lot of women your age. There's a right. lot. Of, it's 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 weird. We have a media that puts a certain view. It's like I look and I go, I'm driving up Central California. I see signs for farmers. Hey, we're growing your crops. We're always, they're all white. There's not a single Mexican farmer. And I'm going and I'm looking at the same field, seeing about 50, 100 Mexican guys working. And I'm like, it's it's our our skewed lens that we like to put out there, you know. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, is 
women of your age are 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 smart, intelligent. You've lived a life. You're you're. I would say much more attractive in many ways because I'm attracted to a woman's brain, and a woman of that of of, of that age who has survived and knows a lot of lessons. That's beautiful. That's powerful. And I'm jealous of young people because young people are lucky because they have stamina. So when you're having sex with somebody, not your hand, Sarah, calm down. Okay. When you're having sex, right, young people look so good when they're having sex. You know why? Because they just, they look beautiful and they glisten, right? Not old people. Because old people f get over it, the young people, all right? I know you're kinky, sir. You wear nipple clamps. Don't lie to me. All right. But when old people have sex, you know, we sweat. It's ugly. There's noises coming out. You can't even use oil. You can slip off the bed, break a hip. My poor husband, he has a hernia. He's pushing it in while he's sticking it in me. My husband, too, you know, I, I've been with my, I've been married forever. And like when my, my, if I'm with my husband and he's with his friends and they say, hey, do you want to go do it? Go have dinner with our the wives and everything. He goes, ask her. He goes, I'm not in charge of that. Ask whatever she's gonna do is what I'm gonna do. Exactly, exactly. It's it's it, it's. I always say this for all men. It's best to give up early. Just give up early. <laughs> just just you've, you've been captured. Give up. So listen, Carol. I just love having you on the show. I well, love talking you. to you. Uh, I'm gonna be looking out for your show. I tell everyone, uh, go see women of a certain age. It's amazing. Uh, Carol Montgomery, you're a pleasure to have on the show. Thank you for being on Nehair in America. Right. Thank you so much. And I hope we'll, we'll, we will talk again. Hopefully, we'll have something to celebrate in November. Yes, we will. Thank you, Carol. Bye. Stay, stay safe. Bye-bye. Nehair in America. Stay tuned. Something new is always happening. We're back with Nehara in America, and we have a very special guest, amazing comic. He got a Daytime Emmy nomination, which to us in Hollywood, very impressive. <laughs> he's, uh, he's worked with Wayne Brady, so many stars. He's an amazing comic. Ladies and gentlemen, Bruce Fine, yeah! Thank you, it's an honor and a pleasure. This is just the podcast that uh, I wanted to be on. Yeah, Nehara in America, you're, people. You've been, in, you've been in the comedy game since the 80s. Uh, yeah, been a comedy game a long time. I've I've survived. I feel like I made it out of Vietnam. I'm okay. I remember. I remember when you broke out. I remember during the In Living Color days. Oh, yeah. And, yep, the sketch comedy days, all that. Hearing your name, seeing the work. And I was an up-and-coming comic at the Improv. Mm -hmm. I was a house MC at the time. So I was sort of bringing everybody on stage before they hit, you know? Yeah. Like George Lopez, Drew Carey, all the weigh-ins. Although Living Color had started, but, um, you know, not everybody that was on the show blasted out huge right away. The stand-up game was first. I mean, you know, you'd get Pauly Shore, Bill Hicks, Drew Carey, and Damon Wayans on the same show at the Improv when I was emceeing back in the early 90s. Oh, yeah, it was an amazing time because, you know, you would go... I, I remember going there seeing Jerry Seinfeld bomb on stage, which was amazing. And then I saw him turn around and be hilarious. It was like one second. Because he would bring his notebook. Yeah. When I was emceeing at Melrose, it became... Mm -hmm. Remember Shoshana Lonstein, his girlfriend? Yeah. That, imagine if that was now. You're 40 years old. Do you have an 18-year-old girlfriend from UCLA? Like, that wouldn't be a story? Yeah. That was the best. 
he came in and he would work on his awesome bits that he would just little nuggets and then you would see them no exaggeration because he was working on it to tape it that week and they were maybe on a three-week time thing you would see that bit on the show three weeks four weeks later and it was polished like you said it was polished that's the thing is I, i the lesson i learned was you have to be bad to be great you have to go ahead and go out there and say i may bomb for a second but i swear this joke's gonna work all right well great my name is bruce fine and i'm from boston massachusetts and i'm five foot one thank you very much i say that in case people ask me stupid questions which they do all the time and they come up to me hey how tall are you i'm five one and they ask stupid questions really no i'm five feet i was exaggerating you caught me I've been fooling everybody. You're a genius. They always go, have you always been short? (laughs) No, I was 6'10 in high school. I started smoking. (laughs) I was just home uh, in the East Coast with my family for the holidays. My mother won't let me grow up, which is why I'm still 5'1", I think. She's very overprotective, like all moms. I mean, we went to the movies as a family, okay? We come out of the movies. I go into the bathroom. I'm in the bathroom for a couple of minutes. She sent some strange guy in there to check on me. Uh, is there a Bruce in here? Mother's outside, wants to make sure everything's okay. Yeah, everything's fine. Tell her I'm 27 years old, I'm a college graduate, I'm going potty. Like a big boy. Remember, Rick, we used to be able to do that in the clubs. No phones, no YouTube, no cameras, and you could work on it. Now, yeah. all these young comedians, they, they're filming their first show, their second show, and it's, like, painful. And then they're throwing up on YouTube for a whole world to see. And it's uh, definitely not the way to go because the process is a process. No, it's it's definitely a process. I mean, I, I came from theater into stand-up comedy, and that world was, like, night and day. I mean, I never—I would I'd go on stage, and someone would actually talk to me in the audience. And I'd be like, wait, wait a minute, there's a fourth wall here. You can't speak to me. I'm performing. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and you certainly knew about rehearsal and process coming from the theater. So it's just, you know, it is a different game now. The fact that you can go up anywhere, post it up on YouTube, and uh, here's my here's my clips, you know. It's very, very different. I don't think there's much process or respect for the process because they're impatient also. Yeah, I think I've done two Showtime, you know, specials or whatever, and it's weird. It's like, you know, it, they'll almost ask you, how many followers do you have on your yeah, Instagram? Yeah, they're not almost asking. They are, yeah, they they are looking for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah some, some, some will be that bold. Yeah. Some will, will just start looking for themselves, but it is a different thing. But you come from the era, and, and I come from that era, where people really want worked on their material forever. I mean, you were seeing the best seven minutes of someone's life when they would get up there. And then the problem was, if you hired them as a comic, they couldn't act because they didn't have their material. You experienced that as a producer, that not all comedians could, uh, you know, could be in the moment, could share the attention and get into an acting scene, which is a different, opposite discipline. Yeah. You're right. People go, how come so many stand-ups? Like even Sebastian, right? Selling out Madison Square Garden. Incredible comedian. He's had a couple pilots. It's not exactly, he's had a couple of pilots. Yeah. (laughs) 
He's really he good. What was he thinking? What's going on there? But I you mean, know, I've, I've seen him perform. I, I think he's incredibly yeah. talented. I mean, he's he's brilliant. And I spoke to him after a show or two. And yeah, sometimes it's hard to take that act and put it in a sitcom form or in any other form. I mean, Larry David's a genius at it, of course, but yeah. he's Larry David. He knows how to play himself. He's a reluctant comic. Like you look at him, you go, this curmudgeon-y kind of guy doesn't want to be funny. And that's what makes him funny. Right. So how are you handling this new world that we're in right now? It's almost embarrassing to say because there's so much struggle and strife and sadness out there. But I have been fortunate during COVID. I have two businesses. I have the business of comedy and, mm -hmm. and show business. And what I did with that was I started an Instagram show. You know, a couple of weeks into the pandemic, I was like, this is crazy. Everybody's so bummed out, like make them forget it. So I went on Instagram live. I kind of figured it out. And I asked a couple of comedians during the day to join me. I'm going to hit you up. You're at seven, you're at 715. And people really loved it. And then it kind of become a thing where now I do this Tuesday night, fine night for comedy. I have comedians, musicians, celebrity interviews, special interviews with different kind of fun people, whether it's fitness or marketing or modeling world. Mm -hmm. And I do an hour show and I have like five guests and I've had comedians that you know and yeah. uh, love and I don't have them, you know, perform, perform. It's like a panel talk show. It's, you know, it's a talk show where we're split screen on Instagram live when mm -hmm. I bring on a guest and people are commenting live. So it's two shows in one. The hecklers have their own forum. Well, you're building a community. That's what you're doing. I mean, this is what this pandemic has done, is blown apart communities, and now we're reforming communities the way we know how. Comics talking to other comics, uh, you know, yeah. we're reaching out. The other thing, by the way, Rick, what I yeah. also decided to do from the beginning, the first time I did it, everybody would come on and be like, ah, yeah, this pandemic, ah, this and that. And they're just talking about all the stuff we're dealing with already. I'm like, I don't want anyone to talk about anything like that. I don't want to hear about politics, and I don't want to hear about the pandemic. Let's pretend it's 2019. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. let's go on and just talk about funny stuff. Yeah. And yeah, some stuff leaks in obviously but at least it's with a goal of comedy and not just a wine fest and it's been so much better so it's a real escape my instagram is at bruce fine and it's tuesday nights at seven <laughs> So I'm a single guy. Again, I uh, broke up with my girlfriend and uh, don't be sad. I'm happy I was the breaker, not the breakee. I've been both. This time I was the breaker and I'll be honest with you. It uh, felt pretty good. <laughs> much easier when you know what's going to happen. I had to do that speech, you know. It's not you. It's not me. It's the other girls I want to sleep with. That's who it is. It's them out there. It's beyond us. It's not our fault. Can I go now? She said, I was breaking up with her. She said, I wasn't being fair. I don't think you're being fair. You be fair with someone, you're breaking up with them. Uh, I don't want to see you anymore, but uh, here's $1,000. Is that fair? Half the women just went, yeah, that's fair. We're reconnecting as humans. Having, telling us to stay apart makes us even want to reconnect more. Friends are calling each other more often. Even before I got on the phone, I had my mom calling me just to talk, which is great. She's always like, ah, you're too busy. I don't want to bother you. I was like going, it's a pandemic. You may now bother me anytime you want. And it's been great because now I'm, I'm reconnecting more with my mother and my family. I see a lot of benefits. That's the good part about this whole thing. Well, the last time I spoke to your mom, Rick, she said that yes. the highlight for her was Falcon Crest. And it was all downhill after that. She <laughs> yeah. did. She didn't care much for the comedy. Falcon Crest was great. I went to my agent. The way I got that show is I said, I'm not playing gangbangers anymore or criminals. That's right. it. I'm not doing it. And he says to me, he goes, hey, Rick, it's the Napa Valley. They're a gang of, like, wine growers. They're not a gang. <laughs>
So, the hardcore, the hardcore Napa game. Yeah, the it. Napa game. I mean, they got this. They're called the Zinfandels. I don't know what they were called, but <laughs> the whole point. I go there, and so now I'm dressed in a suit and looking nice, and I get the You're material. Still, and it's you like st- you were, you didn't have to stop on heads because you guys are used to stopping on grapes. Like, yeah, yeah, know. yeah. No, I, it was the. I, I walked in with the purple feet just to really be, you know, the method actor. Right? But so I go there, give the typical dad like, "Don't ever come to my barrio again." And the woman looks at me, just like, "Okay." Fine, thank you. We've seen enough. And I go, I have four more pages. So my agent calls me and he goes, he goes, hey, Rick, uh, they want you back for Falcon Crest. And I was like, what? I did the worst audition in the world. He said, I know, they don't remember you. So go in dressed as someone different and audition. So I came dressed as what they wanted and I got the role. It was amazing. Okay, Tuesday nights at seven. I'm going to check it out because I think you're brilliant. Congratulations on all the things you're doing. I love the fact that you, you know, you're a veteran that keeps working. That's amazing. And all sorts of good luck to you, Bruce. Thank you so much for coming on Naharan America. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Rick. Naharan America. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Naharan America. I have a very special guest right now. This is probably, in my opinion, one of the greatest comics I have ever seen. I kid you not. She's done more specials than I can even count. But bigger than that, years ago, I saw her in a comedy store, and it just blew my mind. Ladies and gentlemen, Wendy Liebman. Wendy, so glad to have you I'm, here. I'm crying. That oh. was the nicest intro. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, I really speak from the heart. I was at, uh, I think it was the improv, and you went up. And I think this is like the 90s or something like that, late 90s. I was a 12-year-old runaway looking for love in Hollywood and was <laughs> somehow ended up there. I got there, and you went on stage. I was just so amazed because you had this this pattern that I had never heard before. You know, it was just the, the way you delivered jokes. It was revolutionary to me. Well, thank you so much. You know, I think Ellen DeGeneres and John Lovitz were doing similar, or Kevin Nealon, mm-hmm. but I feel like I came up with it on my own in Boston. And now I see some people, other people doing it, and I'm delighted. Now I do comedy. I'm also a writer. I write checks and mostly fiction, of course. <laughs> A lot of mystery. I loved to write when I was growing up. I had a pen pal. I wrote to her once a week for 14 years till she finally wrote back. (laughs) She said, stop. (laughs) Didn't stop me. I should stop eating. I've been eating everything lately. So today, finally, I went running. I had to because the ice cream truck was going 60. (laughs) And I needed a lift to the bakery. So I'm at the bakery, right? And I'm standing in line, and this really cute guy is flirting with me. Finally, he came over, he asked for my number, and I gave it to him, and then I had to take a new one. I knew you came up with it. It was totally you. You could feel there wasn't any area you took that from. I mean, it was just so naturally done. It was smooth like butter. That was the best way to say it. <laughs> I can't believe they still make, I can't believe it's not butter. Well, now it's plant-based. It's plant-based. <laughs> Yeah, you, you've been now. How are you looking at the world right now? I mean, in the midst of a pandemic. Uh. Well, before the pandemic, I was home with a broken leg. I was hit by a car in 2018. I was walking across the street, and I was hit by a driver. And I passed out. I woke up. I knew I wasn't at home, Rick, because I heard somebody vacuuming. And oh, um, oh. but I ended up. I had one broken leg and two broken feet, and. I spent the next nine months recovering and I had only really performed twice before the pandemic hit. So I'm used to being at home. The only difference 
because now I can walk, so I have no excuse not to do laundry. <laughs> I have to do laundry. I have to clean. But um, <laughs> how am I looking at this time? You know, it's really a time of self-reflection mm-hmm. and eating Cheez-Its. I know a friend of yours, Maria Lapidus, wonderful woman, and she said, you know, Rick, Wendy is one of the most positive people you could ever have on your show. She, and I go through my dark depressions, and, you know, I'm, I'm being real right now. She will make you see an optimistic life. And just even what you're oh, saying right now. Who said that? Maria Lapidus. Oh, Howard Lapidus' wife. Sweet. She helps. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. But that's the thing. So I want to hear well, hope and optimism right. you have to give. Well, I think a lot of comedians are depressive. I mean, I don't want to generalize, but most of the comedians I know who yeah. do stand up have that dark side. And I have to say, personally, I am diagnosed with clinical depression. Hmm. Comedy is hope because you see that there's another way to think about something. It can be amusing and enlightening. So I think a lot of comedians try to have hope also. Thanks for your sympathy. I know I'm not fat, but I'll always feel that way because since I was really little, my parents used to stuff me with like cookies and candy. And I don't think they wanted a daughter. I think they wanted a pinata. (laughs) I hated that stick. But this is... um... I like the candy. This is my first time in L.A. I love it. I drove in tonight. I thought it would, like, hit a lot of traffic, but I only hit, like, two cars (laughs) on the train. I am not a good driver. perpendicular park. I recently, I got into an accident with one of these houses on a truck. Have you seen them? They're trying to move a house. Like, what are these people, too lazy to pack? (laughs) The house had Christmas lights and a window box. It was coming right at me. I'm flashing my brights, beeping my horn. Nobody was home. So, I pulled into the garage. (laughs) This is great. I wish my boyfriend were here tonight, but I don't know who he is. My last boyfriend and I were totally incompatible. I was a night person. He was married. Um, Just didn't... I want to get married because I need new kitchen stuff. So I've been going on dates. My friend set me up on these blind dates. I've been on so many blind dates. I should get a free dog. (laughs) Actually, sometimes I do. But dating is so hard. Dating is hard anyway, right? Call me old-fashioned. I like it when a man pays for sex. Anybody else? You all, I shouldn't really joke about sex. You can get something terminal like a kid. And I don't want a kid. During this pandemic, I don't know if you know this, but I decided I wanted to do a video update every day. And it started yeah, I saw, it was I, more I, for me. I saw your video updates. I actually saw it. It was really, it was great. It was almost a time capsule. Well, I do it every day. And it started off like reason for me to get out of bed and put on makeup and yeah. get dressed and take a bath. I was going to stop at 100 because it's been 100. Now it's 122 days. Mm. But at 100, I said I was going to stop doing them. And then I I couldn't stop. It was every day. And I started it. It was like anywhere from two to seven minutes. And Mm -hmm. now I've cut it down to a minute and a half. So I think it's also a time where people can listen to themselves and get things done. But I've been homeschooling my inner child Mm. And I <laughs> I developed something called amnesia, and that's when you order a lot of stuff and you forget about it. 
And uh, it shows up every day. It's like Christmas. What did your, yeah. your crystal ball tell you about your future? What would you like to be doing? My husband's also very musical, but I wrote the music for my musical. He's going to help me, but I wrote the music. That's that's my crystal ball, Rick, is I want my musical to be produced. I, I would love to see a musical produced by you or written by you. Thank you're, you. You're, I know because you have this great presence on stage where you're just like, and I know it sounds strange, but as you're so likable and lovely, you can jab the audience and play with them and, and their other, you know, jabs are there. You're, you're like a great boxer to watch in the ring. So that was my first impression when I saw you on stage. And I know, I, you. Oh my, I, mean, I don't want to be such a fan, but I, I honestly really feel that. You're I, so sweet. Well, I loved that you came to my show, Locally Grown Comedy. You were great. I produced that show in Studio City, and I'm thinking about doing that online. Oh, that'd be great. Because I've performed Zoom shows on Zoom. I've performed mm-hmm. stand-up shows. It's a new uh, wrinkle well, in my profession. I love and appreciate what you do because mm-hmm. you're telling a story and your insight into who you are. And I'd love to do a little more of that writing in my musical. Oh, that's so. great. You know, when I was a kid, I did musicals. Remember, at San Diego Junior Theater, I was in all the musicals. From a, a Mexican kid, it was very brave of me to do it at that time. So my father would come and he would always be so proud of me but I did musicals I realized music was actually the highest in other words you, your emotion is so high you have no other choice but to sing or dance and wow. I'm fascinated by it I, I think that is that is a way that the gut punch you give as a stand-up for comedy that's an emotional gut punch the musical gives you wow I've never thought of it like that we just watched a documentary called every little step and it was about them casting the revival of a chorus line and Rick I'm so old I saw the original cast of chorus line oh. on Broadway oh. and so oh, yeah. it's visceral yeah. it's the music just gets you oh it's it's visceral and the words are so powerful they turn into poetry it's that level of beauty like, you know, like when you think of an, an aria like Nessun Dorma from Turandot and you go, oh, that, that, when I hear that, I'm so moved. That's what a right. musical can do. Well, my musical is called Home on Tuesday because a lot of comedians travel and then yeah. they're home on Tuesday. And um, it's about three stand-up comedians in Vegas over Valentine's Day. That already works. Wish me luck finishing it. I need encouragement to finish it. Anytime you call me, I'll give you encouragement. I'll I'll read a scene or two and tell you what I think. Whatever you need. I believe in you, Wendy. And thank you for uh, coming on Nehara in America. Thank you so much and have a great rest of the pandemic. Yes, I will. I'm (laughs) in my COVID quarantine. Okay, love you. Bye-bye. Nehara in America. Something new is always happening.